Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. But yeah, we've been in a series called Baggage. And really the, the text, the concept has been really what we carry with us oftentimes we may not even realize can hinder us from really becoming the people that we want to be. And we get our text from Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. Many of you probably know it by heart now. It's, you know, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight or every baggage weight that we carry uh, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is, at, he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. It says, let us strip off every weight. Let us strip off the baggage. Let us lay it aside so that we can run the race that God has set before us. And so this is really what we've been talking about, these different baggages that we may have that hindering, hinder us from really running the race that we run, want to run and God wants us to run in our lives. And so today I want to talk to you about a topic that I believe probably affects all of us. And that is the topic of baggage of selfishness, selfishness. Yeah. Ooh, selfishness. And I think more than likely everybody, I think I could be wrong. You could be selfless completely, but I think every person on the planet really deals with selfishness in some area or some part of their life. Uh, I think it's a working progress. I think Jesus was the only one that ever lived that had no selfishness, that lived a completely selfless life. life. But I think oftentimes as humans, we desire to be like Christ, yes, but there's still selfishness in us. And I want to talk to you from the text today in the scripture when the disciples were walking with Jesus and James and John, the disciples, walk up to him and ask him a very interesting question. And I want to show it to you in Matthew, excuse me, in Mark chapter 10. In verse 35, it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want, to do, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in the place of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Great response, disciples. Great response. Just good job. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared, prepared those places for the ones he has chosen, verse 41. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, you know what the rulers of this world lord over it, and you know how they do it. Uh, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave to everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. 
The disciples are walking with Jesus and James and John. They must have been on their own somewhere, hanging out or walking with ahead of them or maybe next to Jesus. And they had to have this conversation together and saying, hey, you know what we should do? You know, it would be tight. We should get together and we should tell Jesus we want to sit one at his right and one at his left. Why? Because we just deserve it. You know what I'm saying? Nobody else deserves it. Forget the other 10 disciples, just us. Let's go talk to Jesus. And so for some reason, they get the bright idea. We should do this. They go to Jesus and they say, hey, we want you to answer. We want you to do whatever we request. Notice they don't ask him, hey, can you do something for me? They, want, they start it with, we want you to do whatever we want because hopefully you're gonna wanna do this because we know this is not really probably the best scenario, case scenario, but we wanna ask anyway. And Jesus says, what do you need? What do you want? He said, oh, well, we wanna sit one of us at your right hand and one of us at your left hand when you're on your glorious throne in heaven. And Jesus says, you have no idea what you're asking for. You have no idea the suffering that you're going to have to take. And, and they're like, oh, no, we'll, we're good. We'll take the suffering. We'll do it. We got it. We love Jesus. Yay. He says, yep, you're going to deal with some of that suffering. And many of you know that that was, there was Jesus talking about being martyred for him one day. And the disciples, many of the disciples were. And the other disciples hear that James and John had talked about this with Jesus. And they're upset. They're annoyed. They're frustrated. And so Jesus brings them all together says, listen, you know how the, the world works. You know what culture says, and the culture says to lead, the culture says to, to get ahead, the culture says to step on whoever you need to step on, to do what you need to do. But I say it needs to be different. He says, if you really want to lead, you need to serve. If you really want to be first, you need to be last. And he says, the son of man himself did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life for many. In this scripture, we see the text as we read it, we can see how selfish this question that James and John asked was. It was so selfish because they were not thinking about other disciples. They were not thinking about anyone that had gone before them. They were not thinking about anyone going after them. They were thinking only about themselves. And the, 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 the word selfishness means this. It means to be concerned excessively or exclusively about oneself. Seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard for anyone else. I'll read it to you again. Concerned excessively or exclusively about oneself. Seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, their own pleasure, or their own well-being without regard for anyone else. Sounds a lot like our culture. Come on, somebody. Not us, just the culture. Come on, somebody. Okay, good. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 35, we'll read it one more time. It says, Then James and John and the sons of Zebedee came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What is your request? He answered. He, he asked, and they replied, When you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit at the place of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. Here's the question I had to ask myself and I ask you today as we read this text is this. What in James and John's minds got them to the place where they thought we deserve, we have the right to be on the right side and left side of Jesus in heaven? I'll tell you what it was. It was pride. And this is my first thought. The root of selfishness is pride. The root of selfishness is pride. And oftentimes we think pride is this concept of us walking around with big heads. 
We oftentimes think pride is this concept of us coming, walking around and thinking we're better than everyone else. But pride is so evil that pride masks itself so well oftentimes that most times and most people, including ourselves, don't even realize it is pride. James and John walk up to Jesus and they say, we want to sit at the place of honor of your glorious throne. They make it spiritual. They make the concept of selfish gain and selfish ambition sound spiritual. This is oftentimes what we do with God. We go to God and we say, God, we, you know, we're going to serve you. We're going to love you. We're going to give our lives to you. But God, you know what? I really need some things from you. And what we can do is we can go to God and serve God without even realizing for selfish gain to where here's what happens. When we don't receive the things we've been praying for or believing for, we start to stray away from God because we're spiritually masking pride when it's really selfish gain and we're thinking it's spiritual. And so here's what we have to be careful of. This is what the problem with James and John was. They were masking this pride with spirituality and here's what happens. Jesus looks at them and says, what in the world? What are you talking about you, you you don't know what you're asking and so for you and I this is what we have to ask ourselves as we walk with God as we journey with God the questions we have to ask ourselves is why am I doing this we should never be serving God because of our to, to get something from God we should never be serving and following God based on something we can get from God we should be serving and following God because of what he's already done for us because of who he is, not for a position, not for a blessing, not for a healing, not none of those things. Those things are all great, but that is not why we first follow him. We follow him because we know what he's done for us and we know that there is no one like him and we know that we wanna honor him with our lives. We're not looking for him to honor us, we're looking to honor him. In every great relationship, if you're married in the room or online, in every great relationship, and they say selfishness, believe it or not, they say selfishness is the number one reason for divorce or for conflict in a relationship. <gasps> Shocker. Selfishness is the number one issue, if you will, that causes conflict in a relationship. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because selfishness is looking for self. And we can oftentimes, especially in our culture, we go into relationships and we go into the relationship with the expectation of you're going to take care of me. You're going to serve me when that's the exact opposite of the kingdom. God wants us to go into a relationship not looking to be served, but to serve. And as we serve, here's the interesting thing that happens. Things in us begin to change and shift and we begin to grow like in a way we never would grow. And that's why relationships are so God-given as far as marriages. That's why there's, it's, such, it's so godly because God allows us to serve the, uh, the person and we can begin to die to things. And as we begin to die to things, we begin to grow in new things. Does that make sense? So important that we would understand this. And it's interesting because they wanted this position from God and they wanted this position. But really what it says, if you look at it, it says, when we sit at the glorious throne, we want to sit in the place of honor with you. See, pride always is seeking to be honored. 
Pride is always seeking. Well, you, uh, the job, they should be telling me I'm doing a good job. Do they not know I've been here for 10 years and do they they not see the things I've been doing? And, and, you know, my parents, do they not see how hard I work? Or as a parent, do my kids not see how much I do for them? And here's what happens if we're not careful. We can expect this, 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 this honor that we maybe deserve, maybe don't, but we want it so much so that ends up causing us to be frustrated or upset when really God is wanting us to say no. The purpose of why we do things is not to be honored, but to give honor. The purpose of why we honor our parents, students in the room, is not so we can be good kids. No, it's because we want to honor God. Parents, the purpose why we honor our children and honor our spouses is not so that we can, we can be happy and have a happy home. That's great, yes. But no, we do it because we first want to honor him. Does that make sense? So important that we would understand this. And false humility, it's interesting because they say we want to sit on your glorious throne. You know, false humility oftentimes is doing things for his glory, but we want a little bit of glory. Like, you know, you'll hear people like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, man, you did such a good job. And I'm like, oh, yeah, just give it to Jesus. Oh, him, man. You'll see people, yeah, him. He's the one. Oh, you know, and you see these people on TV or whatever, and they'll, they'll get in front of a camera, and they'll say, oh, yeah, first I want to thank God. And all Christians are like. But see, that's not what God is looking for. God is not looking for us to get in front of a canner. canner. God is not looking for us to get in front of a camera to honor him. God is looking for us to honor him with our lives. Are Are we living the same life off the camera as we are on the camera? Are we living the same way at home as we are in the church? This is what honoring God looks like. And that's why it's important for us to live this way. Pride is thinking. It's interesting. Because pride can think, make us think that we're closer to God than someone else. Like, oh, well, well God, you got to understand. We're coming to you, Jesus. Well, you got to realize. And you, many of you know Peter, James, and John were the three closest to Jesus. Oftentimes they did things with Jesus that the other disciples didn't do. Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers, so they probably were like, there's only two seats. Get rid of Peter. He ain't family. You know what I'm saying? And so they're like, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. They say, we're going we're to go to Jesus. And here's what they're going to do. Like, you know what? Because we're close to him, because we're, we have this relationship that's close to him, you know what we're going to do? You know what? We, you know, we're closer than the other disciples. And here's the question we have to ask ourselves. And this is what pride will do. And this is the question we have to ask ourselves. Who says we're closer than someone else? What determines that I'm closer to Jesus than you? What determines that you're closer to God than the person sitting next to you? What determines that you're closer to Jesus than your coworker or your neighbor? (gasps) Well, you don't know what they do on the weekends. Okay, so you're saying by what the action of what someone does determines whether they're closer than you or not. Isn't it or wouldn't it be considered, the thought process would be, that really closeness has nothing to do with what we do as far as in the natural. Now, yes, as we're close to Jesus, I agree. I think that the fruit of that, we begin to live out the way God's called us to live. But who says that I'm closer than someone else? Oh, because I didn't go out on the weekend or I didn't, I didn't do that thing? Well, yeah, I hate to tell you, you are doing things too that no one else is doing or that no one else should be doing, whatever. We all, because the Bible says, we talked about it last week, we've all fallen short. No one's perfect. 
No one, no one is sinless. And so now what we're doing, and this is what pride is, my sin is better than their sin. My, well, my sin, oh yeah, you don't understand. Like my sin, like you gotta, it's not that bad of a sin. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so here's what we've done. Now we judge our closeness on, with God based on what we think the level of sin is when really the Bible says sin is sin. So if that's the case, then I can't say, oh yeah, I'm closer than you are or you're closer than I am. No, that's not between you and me and you. That's between me and God. And so here's what it is. Pride can make us walk around and say, oh yeah, we've read our Bible. Oh yeah, I've read my Bible for 15 years every morning. And so now, you know what? I'm a good Christian. Oh yeah, and so here's what we can do. We can get this concept of thinking that we, we are better than someone else or more spiritual than someone else or closer than someone else when that has nothing to do with it. That's not what we should be looking at. We should be looking at not am I closer, but how do I get closer? Make sense? Many years ago, I was a youth pastor and, uh, and uh, a high school student. He graduated and he went off to college and he, his freshman year, he went to go to college and get a call his second semester and he had been in the area for a few months. And so he, he had checked out other churches and went to churches in his area that he was in and he calls me and I, he's like, I say, hey man, how's things going? What's going on? How's life? He said, man, I just want you to know, Pastor Jordan. He said, man, I, and this is a freshman. He said, man, I want you to know, man, I, I've been visiting other churches and there's just not a place that, that's for me. He said, man, I just believe this. I just, I just not a place for me. He's like, you know what? I've been praying. I haven't, been, I haven't found anywhere that I can grow. He said, man, you know what? I feel like I think I'm supposed to just start a church. And I said, bro, you're a freshman. He's like, man, I'm telling you, I'm just supposed to do it. I was like, no, man, you know what you're supposed to do? Just join a small group somewhere. And here's the thing, this is, what, this is what pride can do. I'm not making fun of him, but here's what pride does. Pride can get us to a place where we think, oh, because I'm closer to, to him or because I'm, someone's not feeding me like I should or someone, now here's what I, oh, okay, so now I need to do something on my own. No, we should just walk in humility and say, you know what? Okay, yeah, I may not have everything together and neither does anybody else. Well, here's what I'm gonna do. God, I'm just gonna trust you and I'm gonna serve those around me and love those around me. That's not what pride does. Pride says, I gotta, I gotta think of myself and focus on self and think that I'm better than others around me. Mark chapter 10 and verse 35 says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What is your request, he asked. Then they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we wanna sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. The root of selfishness is pride, but the fruit of selfishness is entitlement. The fruit of, of selfishness is entitlement. It says, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Oh my gosh, how entitled is that? And entitlement is a big word right now in our culture. Entitlement, you know, all the older generation, we're all saying the younger generation, woof, Man, they're so entitled. Nobody wants to work. Man, I tell you what, you can't find good work, good help anymore, anywhere. I tell you what, I just, everybody's so entitled. Man, this younger generation, I tell you, America, uh, we ain't the same we used to be. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. I always say the same thing. Yeah, the younger generation may be, more, may be entitled, but they learned it from somebody. Because here's what I know. Here's what I know. We're all entitled. 
We live in a culture and a society that is very entitled and it could easily get brought into our own lives and into our walk with God. And this is what James and John did. They, they got to a place they felt so entitled. They said, this is what I want. This is what you need to do. I want you to do. We want you to do exactly what we want. And that's what entitlement is. Let me explain the definition of entitlement for you. It says entitlement is a sense of deservingness of being owed something when little or nothing has been done to deserve that special treatment. Entitlement is a sense of deservingness of being owed something when little or nothing has been done to deserve that treatment. Entitlement thinks we deserve something more than someone else. Entitlement thinks that I deserve something more than someone else. This is what James and John did. They, did. they looked at the other 10 disciples and they said, we deserve this position, this title more than anyone else. And so we're gonna ask for it. Entitlement forgets God's generosity and it removes our gratitude. It forgets God's generosity and it removes our gratitude. Instead of saying, God, we want you, Jesus, we want you to do what we want. They should have been saying, Jesus, I wanna thank you for the things that you've been doing in my life. We oftentimes go to God and we have all these needs and that's great, go to God with your needs. But we go to God with all these needs and we have all these wants and we have all these desires and we're so consumed at what we don't have. What happens is we forget to be grateful for where we are and where we've come from and it causes us to become entitled because here's what we're doing. We're so concerned about what we don't have, we're not grateful for what we do have. And so it's important that we would understand this. And I love this in verse 38. If you want to pull up verse 38 for me, it says this. It says that, oh, but Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I must be baptized? And I love their answer. They said, oh, yes, we are able. Oh, yes, we are able. And you know, it shows me the picture of what entitlement really does, and I wrote this down. Entitlement wants us to skip the process to get right to the promise. They say, can we sit at the right and the left? We wanna sit at the right and the left. Put us at the right and the left. Re grant our requests. And he says, you don't understand what the suffering is. And like, oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Oh, don't even worry about the process. Don't even worry about it. Just give me the answer. Give me the promise. And oftentimes, this is what we do in our walk and in our faith and in our lives as believers. We've allowed the culture of, of, of entitlement to get into Christianity. And now we try to fit God into this box of what we've created based on our entitlement. And you may not believe that, but I'm glad you don't. I'll explain it to you here. This is what happens. Oftentimes, we'll say things like, like we want a great marriage. We want a great marriage, but we don't want to put the work in to have a good marriage. That's wanting the promise without the process. Oh, I want my wife to love me. I want my husband to love me. I want to have a great marriage. Oh, I want to have a, I want to have a great sex life. Sorry if there's kids in the room. I want to be married. Like I, I, want, I want to have a great life. Okay, so here's the question. That's the promise, but are you willing to put in the work to let that happen? Are you willing to serve your spouse above yourself? Are you willing to honor them and care for them above your needs? Because if not, here's what we're doing. We're skipping the process, trying to get to the promise. It's entitlement. Oh, well, I'm single in the room and oh, I just want that, I want that godly relationship, that Holy Ghost honey. Come on, somebody. I'm just looking for my boo. That's great. I'm glad you want that. But here's the question. That's a promise. But are you able to keep your pants on? Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. It's, I'm getting weird. But can, are you able to do that and live in purity? Because now, if not, you're looking for a promise without the process. And that is entitlement. 
Oh, I deserve a job promotion. I've been working here for 10 years. I've been here 10 years longer than someone else. But guess what? Guess what? Someone else is working twice as hard as me, but I've been here for 10 years. And so I deserve the promise and I deserve the, the promotion. Well, here's what happens. That's the promise without the process. The process is I'm gonna work hard and through working hard, God's gonna bless me with the promotion. Not it's just gonna come because I deserve it because I've been here so long. That's the promise without the process. I want to be healthy. Oh, I want to be healthy. I want to eat right. I want to, I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to be healthy. But nobody wants to exercise or eat right. We just think about cinnamon rolls. Come on, somebody. I'm going to stop right there. Come on. We live in a generation of time where more people want to spend eternity with God than ever before, but nobody wants to spend time with God. We want to spend eternity with him, but nobody wants to spend 15 minutes a day with him and spending time praying and reading our words. We think it's a duty, or we think it's a job, or we think it's this frustrating thing we have to know. It's this understanding that that is entitlement, that I deserve eternity with no relationship and time now. No, a great relationship is about investment now, and from that I get a greater eternity with him. That's why it's so important that we would understand as Christians, as believers, we have taken the culture and the society of entitlement and we brought it into the church and because we come to church because we look good because we know how to sing the songs that everybody's singing because we know the bible scriptures because we'll laugh at the jokes and the stories because we'll amen somebody we think now we deserve to get to this place called eternity when no it's about relationship with him that's why it's so vital that we would learn the process now and not just wait for the promise then no god wants us to spend time with him now not because we have to but because we get to it's an honor to be able to spend an opportunity a moment with the creator of the universe I get to read the very words that he spoke that literally changed my life if I allow them to but I get so caught up in wanting the promise that I don't actually walk through the process and that is entitlement We go through situations where we want to be connected, but nobody wants to be committed. I want to be connected to the church, Pastor Jordan. I want godly friends. I want some good people, but nobody wants to be committed to a small group or nobody wants to be committed to serving or nobody wants to be committed to a relationship with friends. And so here's what happens. We want the promise without the process. And that is entitlement. Oh, well, you know, I want to grow. People want to grow, but they don't want to be planted I want to grow, Pastor Jordan, I'm wanting to grow my relationship with God. I'm wanting to grow as a person. I'm wanting to grow as a leader. I'm wanting to grow as a Christian. I'm wanting to grow in my relationships, but nobody wants to plant. I'm not saying nobody. I'm not talking about our church. I'm just talking about in general, okay? There's great, incredible people that are planted in our church, and I'm grateful for them. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We can get caught up in planted, we think, is based on the way that we feel. Let me explain. I'm, I'm, I'm planted to this place, to this church. I'm planted to this job. I'm planted in this marriage. I'm, pl- I'm planted. But then, as soon as something doesn't go the way that I like, I'm gonna go plant somewhere else. That's not planted. Why? Because if I'm planted, roots grow, and then through the storms, I remain. And then from remaining through the storms, I bear fruit. 
See, oftentimes people want to grow, and the problem they're not growing, the reason why is not because they're not getting a good enough word, is not because they're not serving God enough, is not because they're not praying enough, it's because they're not willing to plant and go through the seasons of life together with people, building roots, and then over time what's going to happen is fruit is going to be bearing, and they're going to grow in their life and their relationships and in their spiritual walk with God. But you have to be planted. It happens with marriages. It happens in relationships. It happens at their job. Their job, their boss does one thing they don't like and they're like, I'll just go find another job. Well, is that what God's asking you to do? We go to church and one thing happens at church and we get upset and so I'll just go check out another church. Well, is that what God's asking you to do? Because if we're not careful, we can just bounce around and here's what happens. The growth never comes because every time God's trying to grow us through the storm, through the struggle, through the offense, we never grow. And so we just bounce around and run. And next thing you know, the same thing happens later. Are we willing to, are we willing to be planted? Because here's what happens. Oftentimes we want the growth without the planning and that is entitlement because it's a promise without the process. We want to receive from God we want to receive his blessings. We want, to be, we want to receive all he has for us, but we're not willing to give. And I'm not talking about giving to this church. I'm talking about giving of your time, your talents, your, 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 your treasure, all of the different things that God blesses us with. Are we willing to give those things to him when he asks? Because if not, here's what we're doing. We're pursuing a promise without the process, and that's entitlement. And that's what James and John did. James and John were so full of themselves that they got caught up in not, not realizing that they were wanting a promise. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand the process that that's gonna take for you to ever even get close to that type of promise. I wanna be a people that are so in love with Jesus that we're willing to say, God, whatever the process is, we're willing to serve you and honor you and love you through it because I know on the other side of that, there's an incredible promise that only you can give and only I can receive from you. And so I'm willing to trust you with my life. Amen. Mark chapter 10, I'm gonna skip down to verse 46. Verse 46, it says, so Jesus called them together. Verse 46, thank you. So Jesus called them together. I wanna give you a couple of ways that we can stay away from selfishness. I told you what selfishness does. I'm gonna give you a couple things that selfishness, how we remove those things. And really, we can learn best from moms. What an incredible opportunity uh, to talk about selfishness where really there's no person on the planet that lives more selfless than a mother who's willing to give her life for her children and her family. And so three things that we see from moms and from Jesus you know, he says, so Jesus called them together. They were frustrated. They were upset, talking about positions and titles, and Jesus brings them all together. It shows us that the important thing is not where I sit at the table, but who is at my table. Not where I sit. It's not about my position. It's not about my status. It's not about my role. It's not about how people see me or how people look at me, but it's about who's around me. And no better picture and no better illustration than moms. Oh my gosh, y'all know, even in the natural, mom be sitting on the floor and letting the kids sit on the table. You know, sit at the table. They'll do whatever they gotta do. Why? Because they wanna love and they sh the, the, the most joyful times mothers are or when their children and their families are together just loving Jesus and loving each other. You know what I'm saying? And so even though they're bickering a little bit, come on somebody. But it's not about, it's not about where, but it's about who. And it's so important that we would learn this. You know, pride oftentimes keeps us from really building lasting, 
long, healthy, godly relationships. Selfishness does that. Why? Because we're so caught up in ourselves, we never can serve the other person. And so we can miss the, the, the joy of the healthy relationships. And so this is why it's important that we understand, okay, how, what, how do we do that? We look at moms and we look at Jesus and we say, okay, it's not about, it's not about who's where. Jesus says, forget about who's sitting where, but let's gather together. Why? Because I want you to know what's really important. It's the relationship that we have around us. Mark chapter 10 and verse 43 says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. The most important thing is not who is serving me, but where I am serving. Moms spend their lives serving their kids and their families. And the question we have to ask ourselves, we really want to remove selfishness. The question we have to ask is this, where am I serving? Where am I serving in my home? Where am I serving in my job? Where, where am I serving in my friendships? Where am I serving in my relationships? Where am I giving of myself? Where am I serving others? Because oftentimes we can get into these things and we think they're meant to serve me. But no, God says he, he didn't come. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve others. So where is it that I'm serving? Where is it that I'm honoring these people? And serving is not I'm doing what I'm told. Children in the room. It's not when your mom says, make your bed. That's not serving. That's obeying. Serving is mom asked me to obey, mom asked me to clean, to, to, to make my bed. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make my bed and I'm gonna clean my room as well. That's serving. Serving is going beyond the expectation of what obedience is. Does that make sense? So if you're at your job, let me just talk to you. If your job description is dot, 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 to mop the floors, to print out the papers, to do whatever your job, if that's your job, then when you do those things, your boss is not gonna come to you and say, man, you got such a servant's heart. No, he's gonna say or she's gonna say, you did a good job. Serving is, yeah, I understand this is my job description and this has nothing to do with my job, but I care about this company. And so because I care about this company, I'm gonna do outside and go outside of what I normally would do because I wanna serve the company. Does that make sense? And here's what happens. Here's what happens. From that, here's what happens. From that, then you begin to be seen and get promoted because you're willing to serve. That's why Jesus said the last will be first and the first will be last. The people that come to say, that's not in my job description. Uh, you know what? No, no, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me see. Nope, it's not on the paper. Don't have to do that. Woo-hoo-hoo. Don't have to go mop those floors. See you later. You're gonna mop those on your own. That is about as promoted as they're gonna get. But when they're willing to say, you know what? Yeah, mopping's not on the floor, but mop not on the floor. Mopping's not on the on the job description. But you know what? I see that the floor needs to be mopped. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna grab a mop and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start mopping even though I don't need to. Here's what happens: that's serving, and next thing you know, through being last and through serving, God begins to promote, and He builds you up and grows you, and you're and you're promoting in your company of wherever you are. Does that make sense? Students in the room, if your mom told you to clean your your room and you cleaned your room in your kitchen, she'd probably fall out. If she told you to wipe the table down and you wash the dishes, she'd probably pass out. She'd be like, what in the world just happened? She said, I don't know if it's Jesus or demons, but I like it. It's about serving one another. And we, again, we learn this from the heart of mother. A mother, heart of a mother truly is to serve her family, her children, her spouse. The important thing, lastly, as we close, the important thing is not how much I have, but what I do with what I have. The important thing is not how much I have, but what I do with what I have. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom 
for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. No better picture than Jesus who gave his life. The second best picture is mothers. They give their lives for their children. Why? Not because they expect something from their children, but all based on the heart of love for their children and their family. And we want, I want to honor moms today. That's why we're talking about these things. These, th- these three things that moms do, I want to honor you because it's so, it's so incredible that you would give us such an incredible example and a picture of what Jesus really is in the, in the day and the age of today. But I want to encourage you in your life when we say give, I'm not talking about, okay, I got to give this certain amount of money or I got to give this certain amount of things. No, it's saying, okay, my time, my talents, and my treasures. God, these things are all valuable to me. God, my money's valuable to me. God, my talents are valuable to me. And God, my time, oh my goodness, my time is so precious. It's so important. It's so valuable to me. But God, I want you to know, even though those things are so valuable, I want to turn around. I want to give those back to you. And God, I want you to use those things however you wish. I want to give my time. I want to give my talents. And I want to give my treasure. Why, God? Not because I want someone to see me do it. Not because I think I'm spiritual. No, it's because I see a picture of what you did for me and you were willing to give everything for me. So I want to turn back and I want to give it back to you. This is how I believe we remove selfishness from our lives. We remove the baggage of selfishness by saying, okay, I'm not going to care about where I am in position, but I'm going to care about who it is around me. I'm not going to care about who's serving me and who, does, who, who should be serving me, but I'm going to look for opportunities to serve others around me. I, and I don't care how much it is that I have, whether it's a lot or a little, God, I want to turn around and I want to give it back to you. Why? Because I desire to live a life not prideful, not entitled, not selfish, but serving you with everything that I have. This is what I believe. This is how I believe God desires for us to live. Amen. Can we pray today? Father, I thank you.